Today begins our second sermon in our series on Daniel, Staying Faithful in an Unfaithful World. And I'll be honest, I'm a firm believer in what the Word says in 2 Timothy 3.16 about all Scripture being profitable for teaching, etc. Uh, but there are some passages that I think, what in the world is this saying for us? What is this here for us? I mean, you know, there's a story over at the Kings about Elisha and some boys, remember, who just called him bald-headed, and he sick some bears on I don't know. Well, we got a big ring in that. There's a story over in Judges of, of a judge who has a concubine and, and she's murdered, so he cuts her into 12 pieces and sends her across Israel. I, there, are, there are passages of Scripture that we have to go, what, what in the world are we doing? Uh, today's story is a little bit of one of those passages. It's supernatural. It's a prophecy for a particular person at a time. It's an easy lesson for children in BBS. I mean, it's easy to talk to kids about miracles. It's easy to say, this was God doing the miraculous. But how many of us are called upon to do the supernatural on a daily basis? Or a weekly basis? Or a monthly basis? Or ever in your life? The supernatural sometimes we're not called to do. Our goal in this series is to see what these scripture passages say to us in our everyday life. How can they affect us? What are we supposed to do? In our passage of Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar is having troubling dreams. He has insomnia. He, he's being awakened at night because these dreams are just making him get up. And he calls for the wise men of Babylon. And he says, tell me my dream. And of course, they say, well, tell us your dream. And we'll tell you what it means. And he says, no, you tell me my dream and then tell me what it means or I'm going to tear you limb from limb and I'm going to make your houses don'ts. He says, well, tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. And he says, you're stalling. You're conspiring to tell me something false. Nobody can do what you want to do. No king has ever asked that before. And so the king orders the wise men killed. That's that's the beginning of our story in a nutshell. The king is asking for something impossible. The king wants them to tell him what was going on in his mind while he was asleep. I don't want to be in your mind when you were asleep. I mean, and most of us don't remember those things, but he's wanting, he's, that's what he wants to happen. This is what you're going to do. And so the official goes to carry out his execution. And that's where we pick up in verses in verse 13 of chapter 2 of Daniel. And it says, The decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, Why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heaven for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. 
The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in the vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of heaven and declared, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. Therefore Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't kill the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give him the interpretation. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. The king sent a reply to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king, No wise man, medium, diviner, priest, or astrologer is able to make known to the king the mystery he asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has let Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were in your bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your be the vessel by the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. You may read that like I did the first time and go, uh, is something I can't do. What, what do I do with this? But when we look closely passage, we can learn something valuable from Daniel's experience. And the first thing here is, you will be judged according to the company you keep. Daniel's a wise man. He's a wise man of Babylon. And he's not there because he chose to be a wise man. He's there because that's who God made him to be, right? That's who they were considered in the eyes of the Babylonians. Last week, because Daniel was faithful, he was rewarded with wisdom and discernment. And now, because he is a wise man, he's about to be executed. For no other reason, except for the fact that he's a wise man. Because the king has asked this thing and all the wise men said we can't do it and he went to find them and kill them. That's it. We're going to be done. Because he did that, he was going to be killed. Because he was a wise man. Because he was faithful to God. Because of all of these things. As believers, we have to guard ourselves when it comes to the company we keep. Now I don't mean we stay away from all people who may bring us down. If we did that, we would have to leave this world. What I mean is, we have to be aware, aware of what kinds of experiences come with the company you've chosen to be for. If you choose to go on a mission trip to so far off exotic land, be aware of the customs and practices of those people. You could offend someone by refusing to eat the monkey brains they put in front of you. Because that's their custom. You have to be aware of the people that are around you. I, I heard a description of an experience a man had uh, in a secret church in Asia. He said he was aware that he could lose his life or his freedom for being there. But he had to go anyway. Had a discussion a few years back. Uh, we were talking about 
the verses of Paul where Paul says to submit yourselves to the authorities. And the question came up about smuggling Bibles into countries where Bibles are not allowed. Well, what do we do with that, Brother Troy? It's like, well, what do you think you do? And I had one lady who was very upset. Because she had spent her entire life, she was in her 80s, sending money to a ministry that took Bibles to these places. She said, but Brother Troy, it says here to follow the follow, follow the, the, the rulers, but I know God wants them to have his word. And I said, yes. Which one, which one is correct? Both. And she said, what do you mean both? And I said, absolutely, God wants them to have his word. But you have to understand that if you were caught smuggling the Bible into that country, you will have to submit to the ruler who is going to arrest you because their law says you have broken it. That's what Paul did. That's what Peter did. That's what all of the, the martyrs we see through history did. They would stand up for God knowing full well that their life might be in danger. We have to be aware of what happens. You have to be aware of how people are, we are around affect us. What happens if the people that you are with have different convictions you do about alcohol or gossip or anything else you find yourself with? What happens? You know, there have been many a recovering alcoholic calling to ministry to other alcoholics, but God doesn't usually call them immediately to spend all their time in the ball. He doesn't do that. He wants them to build a barrier. God will provide ways to minister while being free from temptation. Or maybe you're just not a good fit together. There are, there are people in this world that for some reason you just don't job with. Or you job in the wrong way. They bring out all the worst properties. I had two youth one time uh, that I called bleach and ammonia. <laughs> that was my nicknames for them. Because they were wonderful girls. Individually. Individual, they were faithful. They were loving. They did all the things that you want a youth to do, that you want an adult to do, that you want a believer to do. They were great. Have you ever poured bleach and ammonia together? It's caustic. It's toxic. When they got together, it was caustic. It was toxic. It ruined both of their reputations of people around them. And they treated people horribly because they fed off of each other. Sometimes it's just not a good fit. By themselves, you may be great, but when they're together, they do bad things. You also have to be aware of how others will view you when you're around them. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be around people because of the judgment of others. I'm saying be aware of the possibilities of what people may say. Even Jesus was judged by the company he kept. How often do we read in Scripture where the Pharisees say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Even Jesus was judged by the company that he kept. So we have to know that we will be judged by the company we keep. We'll be affected by that. That is going to affect our life and our ministry. Daniel was prepared. You know, Daniel here, this was in this company by no fault of his own. Which brings us to that second thing we learned. Sometimes bad things happen to followers of God. Sometimes bad things just happen. Not that you did anything wrong. There is a theology flying around out there that boils my blood that if things are going bad, I must have done something wrong. 
Jesus preached against that. When the disciples came and said, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Neither one of them sinned. That's got nothing to do with it. We have to understand that these things happen. Sometimes bad things just happen. Daniel was shown to be faithful in the last chapter. He was blessed because of it. He rose through the ranks because of it. And now he's on death row. He could have cried out in anger to God and given up. He could have said, God, I'm done. I'm done. I've been faithful. I've been following you. I've been eating vegetables rather than eating the good stuff. I've been doing all of this, God. And now this is where I'm at. That's what he could have done. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I spent a year and a half there. Mad at God. You know, so many people say that Christians should have it easy. That troubles are just supposed to melt away. That the hardest of must be those from outside the church. David Platt put it this way. We have a tendency to me-eyes the gospel. We modify it to fit us. That stuff about giving away all that you own, well, that's not for me. That abundant life stuff, that's mine. That stuff about carrying a cross, yeah, that's not for me. Those rewards in heaven, I'm lining up for those. But the truth of the gospel is clear. True followers of Jesus are going to have hardships. We're going to be placed in situations that make us uncomfortable and that we're not going to like. It's just going to happen. But the key is to remember that God can even use those situations to bring glory to His name. Stephen, the first martyr over the book of Acts, he was stoned to death while Peter was freed from death row. You ever think about that? We want life to be fair. But life's not fair. Stephen proclaimed the gospel of God and the men of Jerusalem picked up rocks and killed him. Peter was arrested, was sitting in prison, and an earthquake came and let him out. And he just walked out of his own door. They were both, they were both doing the same thing. Was Stephen less loved by God than Peter was? No. But sometimes bad things happen. And sometimes we don't get our way. God used both situations for his glory. Because Stephen died, we have a young man named Paul. That was a pivotal moment. How do I know it was pivotal? Because it says, and a young man named Saul was standing there watching the coats. <laughs> it was a pivotal moment. That sent him on a, on, a, on a collision course with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Peter was freed from prison. And the people who were praying got to learn in that moment that they need to have more faith in their prayers. That story, I always chuckle when I read it. Because Peter goes to the door and he knocks and the servant girl goes and goes, oh, it's Peter! And runs and tells them and they say, it must be his ghost. You've already given up? What are you even praying for if you're already sure he's dead? They learned that night that their prayers are more powerful than they thought. God used both situations for his glory. When you follow God, bad things are going to happen. 
But every bad thing can be an opportunity to bring glory to God and to further His kingdom. Which brings us to our last point. It's there in verse 26 through 30 where Daniel talks to the king. We have to remember to give God credit and glory. <laughs> can you imagine what Daniel could have done here? <laughs> yep, king, I can do it. I can do this. I've got gifts. I can tell you your dream. I can tell you the interpretation. It'll all be good. That's not what Daniel said. Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, no wise man, no astrologer, no prophet, nobody on this earth can do for you what you want to do. That's a dangerous thing to say to the man who has just ordered you to be killed. If you don't do what he wants you to do. But he didn't stop there, did he? He says, but. He says, but. My favorite line. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has told me what your dream was. There is a God in heaven. He could have used the situation to further himself. He could have prayed to God, gotten hell, and then said, yes, king, I can do it. So many times, God gifts us and prepares us for situations, and we forget to give him the glory for the work after it's done. Hey, you just did a great job on that. Oh, thanks. What about God who did that? Because for Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's the one doing it. For people that we are involved in, we're the one doing it. It's easy to mask in the limelight. It's easy to go, yeah, well, you know. It's easy to get those pats on the back. They feel good. It would be so easy to take all the credit for something miraculous that God has done because you're going to be a hero. I mean, what did, what did Daniel say to the, to the king's guard? He said, don't kill the wise men. How many lives did Daniel save in that moment? God saved them. But Daniel's the one he used. And so Daniel would have been a hero if he just would have left it at that we have to be careful not to fall into that trap of pride. We talked about pride two weeks ago, right? With, with the Tower of Babel. We have to be careful not to fall into that trap. Jesus warns us about it in the Gospels too. In Matthew 6, he says, do your good works in secret. Don't do your things for your glory, but for the glory of God. In every situation, we have to remember to give God the glory. But this is especially true when he has equipped us and gifted us for a specific task. God may not give you a miraculous way to interpret dreams, but He may give you in other ways. He may give you other things that He wants you to do. And when we take the credit, we're stealing from God and ultimately damaging the kingdom. We can't take the credit for the things that God does. And Daniel knew this. He saw the situation as a perfect time to further God's kingdom. And he said, you're right, King. Nobody can do what you need to do. But God can. 
God can do it. And God has done it. This was a step in the direction of changing the heart of the most powerful man in the world at that point. This wasn't just anybody. This was it. He was Nebuchadnezzar. He, he, he ruled the entire empire. He was the man. And Daniel said, I can't do it. They can't do it. You can't do it. But God can do it. The same thing is true for us today. What is God preparing you for? What is God wanting you to do? Because so often, God comes and He tells us He wants us to do something. And He says, I want you to go off and, and, and do this thing here. And we go, God, um, I'd like to, but, but, well, it's too far. It costs too much. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't have enough faith. We all have excuses. We have things that keep us from doing the things that God may have been calling us to do. But if God calls you to it, He's going to prepare you for it. He's going to gift you for it. He's going to give you the things that you need. And He'll continue to do that if when you finish doing that thing, you give glory to God. You give glory to God. Maybe this morning... God has been calling you to something. Maybe there is something that God has been working on your heart about. He has been, he has been calling you. He has been saying, I want you to do this. And you have been saying, ah, ah, and you've been, you, you've been tossing and turning in bed at night because you can't sleep because God's been saying, I want you to do something. Maybe that's you this morning. Now's the time to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you to get me for it. And I'm going to step out. Now's the time. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're having to re-examine the company that you keep. Maybe the company you keep has been dragging you down. And it's time to get away. It's time to make a fresh start. You can love someone sometimes better from afar. <coughs> Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn into missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who left all of heaven to come and walk this earth, to die on the cross for your sins, to give you a way to be with Him for eternity. If you've never known Him and you feel that pull this morning and you want to know Him, walk the aisle and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. It's that easy. You're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.